Okay, welcome. It's episode 63 of the Adrian Bow podcast. And today I'm delighted to have my very good friend and uh, real estate coaching luminary, if you like, um, Mr. Tom Panos. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Bowie. How are you? Excellent, mate. Excellent. Thanks so much for, for joining me on this podcast. Pleasure. I've really been looking forward to this. Um, and, you know, you, you really are, I, I didn't say that in a facetious way about being real estate luminary, but you are definitely royalty when it comes to coaching and just real estate in general. And, and I just love your altruistic approach to the industry and how much you give back because there's a lot of stuff you do, which, you know, you're not charging for. Obviously the real estate gym is, is very cheap. Anyone who's not on it should be on it. They're absolutely crazy if they're not. The, the, but there's a lot of stuff that you're doing, made like videos, podcasts, everything, which uh, people are benefiting from all around the country, mate. So thank you on behalf of the industry. Thank you, Bowie. Absolute pleasure. Hey, um, I think it'd be remiss of us, Tommy, um, not to um, deal head on with, with what's happening at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the market goes through different cycles. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, Dr. Fred refers to and I sometimes refer to as these black swan events. You and I yeah. have got the battle scars to yeah. prove that we do come out of these things, you know, because I'm 31 years and you're, I think, 35 years in the industry. Yeah. So yeah. we've seen 9-11, we've seen the GFC, we've seen the recession, we've seen um, uh, um, that when, when um, obviously, loans were very tough sort of a bit over a year ago. This one's quite the anomaly um, yeah. that we haven't seen before. Um, you're talking to a lot of agents constantly. You're talking to a lot of business owners, principals, even founders of large you know, real estate groups. What's, what's the general, and I know it can be a bit esoteric to, depending on what state we're dealing with, but, but what's the general sense and, uh, and message that you're receiving at the moment out there? Bowie, I'll probably get shot down, but I think there's a lot of drama queens, right? Like even now, I got off the phone, well, a Zoom with people in Melbourne, right? You know, we're in stage four, stage four. Hey, you're in stage four. You're in stage four lockdown. You're not in stage four cancer, right? Mm. So number one is it ain't terminal. And I think a lot of the times when someone is hit with a punch in the face, when you reach the black swan, when there's chaos, when there's adversity, when you wake up in the morning and you open up your phone and you realise that, hey, um, something bad has happened, a bad diagnosis, for instance, what you've got to do is look at it for what it is, not worse, not better than what it is. So the first thing I'd say, Bowie, is get real. Even when the market is terrible. You have to understand most people that buy or sell real estate do not buy it based on the market. They buy it based on, hey, we need a bigger home. Hey, we need a smaller home. Hey, it's a divorce. Hey, new baby. Hey, we've decided we're moving to Byron Bay. Hey, we've got an interstate uh, transfer because of work. Hey, it's all these things that have got nothing to do with the market but have to do with people's lifestyle. And in all those situations, there is going to be a real estate agent that is in between the buyer and seller. So don't think because the market shit, the industry shit, two different things. 
Yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, basically what we're saying is this industry is not a market-dependent industry. It's not a price-dependent industry. It's a transaction-dependent industry. And as long as you maintain some degree of market share, sure, that volume might fluctuate. But really, it's an industry of circumstance because, as you said, there's all these circumstances, whether they're domestic, financial, death, divorce, whatever it might be, these circumstances are perpetual and they're not going anywhere. Um, and that's irrelevant and almost indiscriminate of what the prices are doing or almost, almost volume to a degree as well, as long as you maintain that market share. And you said a very valid point there. As long as you've got a market share, right, you're still in the game. And then someone says to me today, oh, but Tom, guess what? Like, yes, I've kept my market share, but there's less properties transacting where we are. So I'm making less money at the moment. Well, guess what? That's life. So you don't make $500,000 and you made $300,000 this year. You don't make a bad year look like a bad life, right? That's the first thing, right? Get perspective. You're still probably making 10 times more than what someone is making working at the Subway sandwich shop. You're still making like four times more than someone that's working as a professor at the University of Sydney earning 120, 130 grand a year. Because I've got to tell you, it ain't much more than that. So you've got to have, you know, Bo, you've got to have perspective. You know, you've got to look at things for what they are, not worse than they are. And I think that's got a lot to do with having mental toughness and the ability not to catastrophize which is to actually look at a future and forecast that future as worse than what it will be, which a lot of people do. I agree. And look, we're fortunate enough, Tom, that we've got those references given all these sort of black swan and difficult markets in the past. So I think it's our obligation to encourage the younger generation to say, this this too will pass. Yes. Um, but But even while we're in it, it's not the final outcome. It's one outcome, which will lead to another outcome, which will lead to another outcome. There's never a final outcome. I've been reading a lot about stoicism um, uh, lately, Tom, and obviously you've had a lot of personal challenges in your life. I, you know, it was well publicised. I had a personal challenge, you know, late last year as well. So um, this philosophy of stoicism, which has been around since 300 BC, I've got to tell you, has, has helped me a lot, which is really, you know, in summary, it's, it's, you really can't control anything apart from the reason choice or, or the reason to choose. So, um, you know, it's up to us how we interpret and how we react to external events. The external events are going to happen regardless, but it really is up to us how we subjectively interpret and react to them. So have you done much study or, or research on that? Look, not a lot, but what you've just described to me is pretty much cognitive behavioural therapy. Right. So the modern the, so the, the Stoics were obviously people that believed that you can't control the event, but you can control the response. Mm. You can't control what happens, but you can control how you choose to process what happens. Correct. And cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is something that I, I do know a fair bit of, because when I was doing uh, my master's, uh, I did a lot in behavioral sciences and cognitive behavioral therapy, which underpins pretty much all personal development, right? Which is event plus response equals outcome, right? Mm. So event plus response equals outcome. So essentially what it's saying is, hey, participate in the solution, not the problem, right? It's been useful in my life, Bowie, because mm. like 
for, for your listeners there, I mean, maybe we've got an inter, you know, interchange listeners that listen to us both because you've contributed to the gym um, a fair bit over the years. And I thank you because your, your uh, uh, videos always score really, really high. But let me just go off and just give an example of things, right? So um, a, 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 an, event, an, an event happens. So in my, in, look, here, here's my deal. In 2016, after 10 years of being cancer-free, I get a I get a, a relapse. So 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 that's the that's the event, right? The response is I go to the doctor and I say to him, listen, all I want to do is be solution focused. I want to participate in the solution, not in the diagnosis. I said, so everything we've got to talk about is gotta be about the prognosis and what we have to do to be the percentage that recovers. So I operate and think and behave in that way. The next thing that happens, Bowie, is I recover, but you, you know, and you know the story because you contacted me. My little brother dies at 41 years of age and I was very close with my brother. It's actually two years this week that he's, that he's gone, Bowie. And what happens is that all of a sudden you've got a, a second event. You've recovered, then you've got your brother. And I found that the most challenging of all, right? Because it is permanent. It is the final in terms of him being mm. on this earth. Then he passes and then I get a, another relapse pretty much as he was passing. So during that time, I have to tell you, more than ever, your ability to narrow the focus, and what I mean by narrow the focus not actually forecast too much into the future, not worry too much about next month. Because Bowie, when she, things are shit, all you want to do is have a, a fine day. A fine day, a good day can be good enough for you when there is total chaos and blackness in your life, right? So you narrow your focus and you say, how do I make today a good day? And for many of those days, Bowie, it was, I will watch a Netflix series that's going to make me happy while I'm in treatment here today. And I will, I will have a cup of coffee at the cafe that I like as soon as I come out of here. And you set yourself a scorecard that's going to give you some sort of happiness, Bowie, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting the way you capture that. It's a bit like what Dr. Fred Gross used to talk about, Tom. When you remember, you know, daily tens, you know, like a cup of coffee or a Netflix show. Yes. That's something that you do on a daily basis that basically makes you feel good. Then he used to have twenty fives, which was a weekly thing, and fifties and hundreds. So anyone that's done any work or listened to Dr. Fred knows that that there was obviously a, a method to that madness and it's probably a bright light in the chaos that you're talking about. Um, so yeah, look, a lot of people listening to this would be just, um, you know, obviously observing and thinking, wow, you know, you, you really have been very resilient, Tom, given, given what you've just described. Um, and that, that would be almost untenable for, for a lot of people to, to actually go through something like that within that period of time. Bo, and I can tell you, and I'm not trying to put tickets on myself, but my ability to handle suffering is more than most people, right? Because I've been given the opportunity to test the darkness. And because 
I've come back. That is a cookie that's in my cookie jar that said, you can handle that. You've already survived 100% of your darkest days, which means that you've got evidence that you can handle it. And that's why I often say to people that some of the best gifts in life come badly wrapped because that suffering is your teacher. That suffering has laid, like, be honest now, Bowie, with what you've gone through, you know that next time you fight a challenge, you already have an extra layer of resilience over you. Absolutely. Look, uh, you, you refer to it as a cookie. Some people refer to it as a reference. They're all just platforms in order to make better decisions and that extra layer of resilience, as you said, um, that's going to allow you um, to, to be better prepared and deal with these situations. And as the Stoics or cognitive behavioural therapy, whatever it might be, is how we react and how we interpret these external events because they're not going anywhere. The, you know, bad things happen to good people. Um, you know, COVID is a metaphor for all these black swan events that have come before us and then it can continue to come um, after us. And it's how we react and how we interpret them, which is is really going to be the key. And it must run in our blood, Tom, because all the Stoics were Greeks and Italians back then, mate. Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus. So, you know, maybe we've got a slight European advantage there. Absolutely. Um, another thing, Tom, is um, what you work with a lot of agents, as we talked about. What's really consistent top traits that, that all these people do enjoy? And some, are, some might be positive or negative traits, but what's some consistent stuff that, that all of them um, innately or, 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 or things that they, they come from a nurturing point of view acquire? Look, and this is negative and positive, Bowie. Yep. Yeah, good. And that is, that is, I can't help it. They've got this constant feeling of a gap on where they are versus where they should be. Mm. They're constantly impatient. Mm. They feel guilty when they've got downtime. And I'm not saying that that's good, Bowie. Mm. It's actually probably not good. But on the other hand, it is this gap between where they are now versus where they can be that creates this urgency in their life, right? Mm. Um, whereas another person gets a situation, it's all good, I'll focus on that later on, right? So mm. there's this constant need to actually feel like, hey, I'm doing something. And it's both negative and positive. I would probably say the second thing, Bowie, is that they do work hard. I mean, they mm. do work hard. Like, I'm not saying that hard work is going to make you successful. But what I am saying is the absence of hard work means you won't be successful. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, totally, totally. No, well, I, I call them unreasonable. They're most successful people in this industry. They're unreasonable, um, which is a positive and a negative. They're, and it's similar to what you've just mentioned. They're, they're just not, they're not happy with that gap. They're impatient. And they're, they're, it's the unreasonable side of them, which gives them that extra drive, whether it whether that comes in working hours, whether that comes in intensity, whether that, whether that comes into urgency, um, you know, I think it's all of the above. And as, as you've learned, and I've met some of the top agents in the country and the world, and so have you, um, they're not terribly remarkable or, remarkable or prodigious people. They're, they're really quite 
abnormal in 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 uh, their biology and DNA. It's just they they happen to be very unreasonable with their own expectations and goal set. Yeah, look, there is not much there's not much more to it, and it's not this is not to sound condescending to anyone that writes a lot of money in real estate. However, yeah. let's be super clear. They're not curing COVID. They're not curing HIV. They haven't actually found a drug that gets rid of pancreatic cancer. Mm. What they seem to do on a systemic basis is speak to people that own real estate in their area and keep that relationship going for the day that these people decide that they're pulling the trigger. They do that. Some people have got the ability to manage the lag. The lag is doing something and not getting rewarded for it. These group of agents that you refer to that are successful have this ability. It has nothing to do with IQ. It has nothing to do with EQ. And I know that that sounds like, hey, hang on a second, but if you can read the play, it means that you, you should be doing better. Not necessarily, because if you're totally unstructured and you're only speaking to one person every month and you can read the play, that ain't going to help you that much, mm. right? No, totally. Now, look, and we're not trying to, uh, we're certainly not trying to, um, you know, patronise anyone in the industry, but it is very rudimentary, as you said. You've got to call a bunch of people who, who own property and then get face-to-face with them until they make the decision to, to list. And once they list, you over-service the hell out of them and then over-service any buyers that you receive, treat them like they're the most important person in the world, have good follow-up, turn up early, call people back when they call you, and that's and have good energy and mindset. And there's not a huge amount else to it. So, um, no, it's, it's interesting observation. And another thing, um, Tom, which, which I've found, you know, talking to a lot of agents, and it could be the elephant in the room, and, and obviously it's going to come up a bit more during this period because there's so much negative noise and media out there, is, is mental health within the yeah. real estate industry. Um, look, I mean, I characterise mental health anywhere that people have either had physical symptoms that have created anxiety, so sort of sweating, heart racing or whatever, or more than just the blues, because everyone just gets the blues, but, you know, depression as in, you know, really having negative thoughts and really not wanting to get out of bed. I mean, there's, that, that's sort of bordering on the clinical side rather than just having the blues. There is, there is a chasm and a dichotomy and a difference between those two. Do you find that a lot of people in the industry have, have opened up to you about mental health issues as well? I have because um, I tell people the brutal truth and I give people a, a running commentary of my life. I'm not afraid of the, uh, the scars and... Uh, uh, the punches that I've copped. And because I show that vulnerability, um, people actually feel like taking their mask off and actually being open to me and they, they reach out. Um, so the answer to that is yes, but I will, you know, Bowie, I will say this, it is really important to distinguish um, between a, a, a chemical uh, uh, causes of mental health issues mm-hmm. and non-chemical, as you call it, the blues, because whether we like it or not, and I know, and I've got plenty of people that I work with through the real estate gym that have opened up to me, they have got uh, um, depression mm. that has been helped by taking medication, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so we clearly know that there's a small group of people that have got 
depression slash anxiety or any other mental health issue that has its trigger being its biochemistry, Mm -hmm. right? So then you've got the major portion of people that have depression and anxiety that seems to be event correlated. Mm-hmm. Hey, things have happened and you, you, you get sad. You, 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 you're, you're in the valley, right? I believe that life, you're in the valley or you're in the mountain. Mountain is when life's great. Relationships, fantastic. You know, money is good. Business is ticking over. You, you know, you're at your best weight. You're feeling healthy and you're in the mountain. And there are times when, you know, you're not in the mountain. You're in the valley where things aren't going well. You're off track. Um, so um, those people don't necessarily need tablets. Mm-hmm. Those people don't necessarily actually need to visit a psychiatrist, Bowie. Mm-hmm. Those people there need to actually work on themselves, for themselves, by themselves. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I would say you don't even need therapy. You need clarity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting you, you said that because I've heard you in on your gym and uh, on your podcast, etc. And you've displayed a lot of benevolence by actually saying, hey, if anyone's actually got suicidal thoughts, please call me 24-7. I've heard you actually say that without giving uh, uh, any names or whatever. Has, has anyone ever taken you up on that? Mate, I've had the, the, two, the, the, the two distinct, there are two distinct uh, incidents mm. where one, per, one person came to me after a, a, a training session mm. that told me that they had actually uh, selected that was the day that they were going to um, end it. Wow. And... Um, um, they heard they heard the story of uh, me and an illness, and they uh, hung around and spoke to me, and we got into a conversation. And um, I know that subsequently, what happened is that they did go off and uh, get professional help, and I know, and I know that that person's alive now. Right, wow. I haven't had any contact with that person, but that person was very very clear. Um, the plan was that that was the day. Um, that's the first one. The second one was off a Sunday night rant yeah. that um, I uh, I had an email that came to Susan that works with me and um, it happened afterwards. It was a person in New Zealand and um, uh, I got on the phone and I spoke to that person, which was one o'clock New Zealand time, 11 o'clock Sydney time. Mm-hmm. I was, it was a young, it was a very young person. Uh, Bowie, he wasn't even a real estate agent. Right, mm-hmm. he was a young person that was on the Sunday on uh, the Sunday night ran. I think I do mm-hmm. on Facebook on Sunday nights. Yeah. That's where I heard you say that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was so 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 um, it was a it was a young it was a young uh, person, and it was a it was a classic scenario. It was it was a very weird scenario. This person had been humiliated. I won't go into the detail, but had been humiliated. Right, and. Like for the average person, this humiliation, it, 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 this person, uh, and 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 he and he and he'd been disowned by by his parents, particularly his father, right? So you had two things, and and um, I, to be honest with you, Bo, the conversation was he got referred to a health clinic in New Zealand. I I don't know who the person is. Um, I don't know who the person is, but. Bowie, all I'll say to you is that I've got, I don't believe in 
Bo, I don't believe in affirmations that much. I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that has this belief that if you write an affirmation and you have it up on a wall, um, that you're going to get this, this goal. I, it's never been me. However, I do have 10 sentences that sit on my wall. They sat in my chemo ward. They sit in my car. And would it be okay that I share them with you? Yes, please. Because, Bowie, when this podcast goes out, I know that you're going to have some Melbourne agents that are going to be listening to it. Yep. Yes, and, Melbourne, and Melbourne agents at the moment are sort of freaking out. So here are my 10 laws that I have. They're not affirmations. This is my personal philosophy. Number one, you've got to forget about yourself and you've got to focus on others. Number two, you've got to forget about your commodity and you've got to focus on the relationship. So don't think listing presentation, think about the relationship with the person. You've got to forget about the sale and you've got to focus on creating value. You've got to forget about your losses and you've got to focus on your opportunities. You've got to forget about your difficulties and you've got to focus on your progress. You've got to get forget about the future and you've got to focus on today. Don't worry about three months time. Worry about having a fine day today. You've got to forget about who you were and you've got to focus on who you can be. You've got to forget about your events and you've got to focus on your responses. You've got to forget about what's missing and you've got to focus on what's available. And the last thing is you've got to forget about your complaints and you've got to focus on your gratitude. And what I find, Bowie, is that no matter how shit a situation is, by me looking at those, it helps me to actually look at things in a better light than in dark lenses, you know? Mm. That's great, mate. Everyone's going to be very appreciative that, that you've shared that. Um, and w- w- amazing display of kindness and benevolence, the fact that you've, you took those calls and you've shared the, that your 10 you know, philosophies, if you, if you like, and, and I can see why that that's held you in, in really good stead, you know, for what you've been through. Um, what, what, what do you recommend to someone who's, who's just walking that very fine and tenuous line between, oh, do I, do I think I need medication? Do I need to talk to someone professionally? Or am I just a bit down at the moment? Am I absorbing too much negative media? Because the first steps are often very difficult for people in these situations. What, what would you recommend to someone who's, who's sort of, you know, in that position at the moment? Um, I would do a bit of an autopsy and an audit on your last 30 days mm. and work out out of those last 30 days did it feel like this every day? Mm. And did it feel like this most of the time in the day? If that's the case, it's not that you've had a sad event Mm. or you've lost, you know, a $30,000 listing that's hit you for a six because you banked your whole life on it, which you shouldn't have, but that's another story. Mm. Um, But if your situation is that you're feeling really shit today. And let's assume yesterday wasn't great, but the week before it was a great week. I think what you need to do is to remind yourself that your current situation is not your permanent destination, that you've actually had a speed hump for a day or two. But Bowie, if the trend line, it's 30 days in a row, 
I mean, on a graph, that's really clear. It's a downhill slope. And that's when you probably, hey, I would probably go GP recommendation to psychologist, mm -hmm. then lifeline. That's what I would probably do, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I've known people that have told me they get um, that, that that step can happen really, really quickly. You go into a GP the same day, the next day you're face to face, eyeball to eyeball with a qualified person, psychologist that's going to help you use CBT. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to work the next step on whether you should be going on Prozac, benzos, whatever they're going to prescribe to you. So I would say, you know, just think about is this systemic over a long period of time or is this just a, a speed hump? Yeah, it's very good advice. And, and obviously, we've got to disclose that neither Tom or I are medical doctors or any doctors, no. but but we, we are very entrenched in an industry where mental health and mental illness is epidemic. And it's, it'd be remiss of us not to discuss it. And that's why I wanted just to you know, find out from Tom what the first step is, because there would be a few people walking that line at the moment. And I think that's very pragmatic advice, GP first. And then what Tom mentioned was CBT, which is cognitive behavioural therapy, which is similar to that stoicism, which, which a, a psychologist could work with you with. And then medication is, is, is optional, but there's plenty of op options out there for people. And it certainly shouldn't be a stigma. You know, like if you had asthma, you wouldn't be uh, worried about ta talking to a doctor about it, you know. And this just happens to be another form of illness. And as Trump, Tom said before, sometimes it can be a chemical imbalance. Sometimes it can just be you're going through a rough period, which, which you know, is not necessarily that uh, diag diagnosis. Bowie, and I will say, and it's taken me uh, uh, years to understand and process it, mm. it's, um, I had a guy that I was being treated once within treatment who had cancer but was also suffering from depression. Mm. And I became like mates. He was my age and, you know, he was. we got on. Anyway, cut a long story short, he opened up to me over the months and he said to me, in terms of suffering, cancer was like a five out of ten mm. and depression was a ten out of ten. And mm. I, found that, I found that very surprising, right? But then he made a very interesting observation, and that is when you've got a physical illness or disease like cancer of a part of your body, right, that part gets treated. Your brain is still able to look at things as they are. And you know, hey, I've got cancer of the prostate. It will actually get fixed by this process. However, Bowie... When the brain itself is ill, as it is in mental health, it can't do that thinking. Mm. That's the issue. So I have total compassion and empathy to people that are going through a mental illness, and it does seem to be highly profound in real estate because, unfortunately, the industry does attract a lot of people that come to the industry because of the affluence and the things that real estate can provide for people from a monetary point of view. And when real estate people are making comparisons 
which are far more easier to do now with social media than any previous time, you can understand how you could get into a state of feeling less, feeling a gap, feeling inferior to another person because you're comparing your life, which you're immersed in, with the artificial life that you're seeing someone else post on social media. Yeah, it's, it's very much an industry of comparison, Tom, and uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, are measuring their self-worth based on the amount of followers or friends or likes or comments, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I know Instagram have moved some way toward trying to eliminate that by, you know, you can't see certain things, but still it's, it's, it's nowhere near, you know, what, what needs to happen because this, this is going to continue. So I think the key is just stop comparing yourself. Like, you know, you, you know, everyone else has taken, you just got to be yourself. Um, focus on being the best version of yourself because there's always going to be someone who's doing a hell of a lot better than you. And there's always going to be people that are doing not as good as you, um, whether it's, uh, you know, from a material sense, whether it's a health sense, a spiritual sense, family sense, whatever it might be, you know, this, this whole comparative analysis that people are conducting they've just got to you know learn and master a way to eliminate that and master the law of indifference you know just be indifferent about comparison i think that's critical Um, that's that's excellent tom well i think that's been a really good sort of 40 minutes or so um and you know i'm glad we've spoken about it it doesn't get spoken about anywhere near enough um um, which is surprising given how prolific of an issue it is in our industry um and i'm like you tom if anyone out there needs to have a chat you know i think you and i um, are, are both uh, been in the industry long enough to, to have references that we can um, uh, refer to uh, that we can provide some pragmatic advice, whether it's stoic or, or CBT. And I, yeah, and I, and I do, and look, and I do think, you know, whether it's me or you, Bowie, with real estate coaching and education, I can't, I can't get over the fact that we've got people that have worked in real estate for 15 years, Mm. 20 years that go get advice Mm. from people in real estate about how to win a listing at a listing presentation when that person's never done it themselves. It's insanity. It's insanity. insanity. This is is bizarre that you're going to have someone that's going to be saying, hey, here are the seven steps, right? Mm. To do this and then to feel, as someone that's done it for 15 years, to feel, shit, I'm a loser because I can't master those seven steps. Mm. Yet the person themselves that's telling you these are the seven steps Mm. has never actually gone off and done it, has never had the insomnia of knowing what it feels like to have no settlements to come for three months, for having the pain and suffering of having chased a listing for three years and then to walk by the signboard and see the person you hate the most, your competitor, Mm. with their signboard there. And Mm. then to have, to be sitting there and getting advice. So I always say to people, you know, when you're getting advice, there are two steps. Step one is listen to what the advice is, but listen to whom the advice is coming from. Mm. 
Well, I think the, the financial advisory industry, it was epidemically erroneous at that and therefore the Royal Commission was in place because, you know, you, to sit there and uh, across someone talk about you know, negative gearing or wealth creation, someone who uh, didn't own any property or had no investments, that, that's, just, that's just crazy, you know. So it's not dissimilar in our industry. Obviously, as coaches, Tom, you and I are probably up there and quite expensive in, in our coaching, but... You know, you do get what you pay for. And, and a lot of the sessions I conduct, uh, a lot of it is mindset work, like we've just talked about today. And, you know, unless you get that mindset and that energy right, the, the rest of it is very hard to, to actually work on. Um, you know, it's like the oxygen mask. You've got to put that on first, help yourself before you can start helping other people. Very difficult to service buyers and sellers unless you, your headspace and energy and mindset is, is spot on. Well, there, well, 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 Bowie, the reason why mindset is... Um, got a bias towards real estate is that you can be miserable and be a bloody good forensic accountant. You can be miserable and be a very good litigation lawyer. Mm. You can be miserable and be a brain surgeon. But I've got to tell you one thing, you can't be miserable and be a good real estate agent because we sell, we influence, and you can't do that being miserable. Absolutely. And people tap into energy, buy energy, and it's infectious energy. And people want to, want to deal with someone who's a trusted advisor, but is also calm and confident and can provide you know, professional recommendations. And, and, and none of that, unfortunately, um, you know, coincides with, with a miserable approach. So, um, now, look, this has been a great session, Tom. I really appreciate your uh, support and input. And um, you know, I'm very proud to, to call you my friend. And um, no, I really appreciate all your personal support over the years and as i said anyone who's not on the real estate gym should get on their asap it's just a terrific uh, network and community in fact to be able to um, communicate with other like-minded people who are in totally de de different geographical areas but surprisingly you'll find are dealing with uh, very similar issues that that's been my experience in the gym you're spot on bowie it's a uh... It's a, it's, it's a community hub of people uh, where they're given uh, content and, and training uh, on an ongoing basis and um, it works out to being about 600 bucks a year um, and that's the model. Um, I don't do a heap of one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, uh, coaching, uh, Bowie. It's, uh, a lot of my work is curating content um, for the real estate gym, but it's been a pleasure being on your podcast. I want to thank you so much. Stay well and to all your listeners uh, stay healthy and remember, you know, the future is going to be better than the present and you've got the power to make it. So God bless you. Thanks, Tommy. And thanks to